0: Welcome, I'm Alexander. I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. We are knee-deep in tech, covering the latest from the IT industry with a specific focus on Microsoft and how to get actual value from technology. This is episode 127, recorded on July the 13th, 2020. You will be able to find this and our previous episodes on knee iTunes, Spotify, and on most podcasting platforms. Gentlemen, we are on vacation are we? Are you on vacation as well? I just went on vacation today. It is glorious. I can get used to this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's only been a few hours.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, for me, it's the second week.
0: Oh, you second week. Wow. How, how does it feel, Tony? Tell the world, how do you feel?
1: Uh, well, uh, mostly I th- Usually, the first days I find it a bit difficult just to really disconnect. You know, it takes a few days. Uh, so, I think the most important thing for me, at least, is just to make sure to ac- actually disconnect. So, don't look at your emails, try to avoid so- social medias, uh, stay away from, you know, keeping up to date with news and stuff like that. So, it it varies to a degree, I suppose. In the beginning, at least, uh, to be able to just let it go and just stay off the well, not not the internet, perhaps, but you know, the social medias and the usual stuff you do in your everyday work.
0: Yeah, those those are pretty good good ideas. And Simon, you just started your vacation as well.
2: No, I this is my second week as well, if I'm not entirely mistaken. But uh, the entire... considering what
0: you're doing, when will you start your actual vacation?
2: Since I only have four weeks this year, I'll probably not be going on vacation at all.
0: Says the guy that just completed a deck and is just about to completely redecorate his kitchen.
2: Yeah, the kitchen, however, I will only actually tear it down and someone else will build it up. But we will have to repaint the entire first floor. And since first floor, the first floor walls continues up to the second floor, we'll have to do that as well.
0: It is pretty common that the, the second floor is actually resting on the first floor, so the, the walls are actually shared, but I don't yeah. know how your place looks.
2: <laughs> it it depends on the design of the stairs, I would say. But yeah, in, in our case, what started off as a renovation of the kitchen is now turning into a renovation of the entire house, apart from three small rooms on the second floor.
0: Yeah, I, I recognize that from when I had a house. It's it's scary how easy it is to, uh, perhaps not get carried away, but everything, it, it's the whole, everything is connected to everything else. Exactly. And if you poke something over here, you're definitely going to have an effect three steps down. So it's, yeah. it's kind of the butterfly effect, very locally.
2: <laughs> very localized butterfly effect, yeah. Th- yep. There we have the name of this episode, the localized butterfly effect. I that think will draw that- some my ca- attention just one be the case yes so what started off like we are doing completely redoing ventilation we are redoing the kitchen floors in kitchen and hallway all surfaces on the first floor uh, and most of the surfaces on the upper floor
0: well that works you're gonna have some work cut out for you yeah so
2: back to tech (laughs) Yes,
0: back to tech. And today's headlines are going to be that we have a few updates to both the Power BI service and some IaaS SQL Server stuff. I didn't think that anybody would care about that, but that's pretty, it's pretty significant. We have some new Teams displays, and I'm curious to um, have a conversation about those, because I think we are three people with three different views on that thing. and. We're going to do a, looking back on the first half of 2020, and also looking forward to the second half of 2020, the year that the world pretty much ended. So let's jump straight into it. So Power BI, it's it's been quiet. I mean, it is quiet over the summer. But Lukasz, who is the principal program manager for parts of Power BI, they have a, pretty small change to the way apps works so apps and yes i would very much like to have a conversation with microsoft um, marketing about the name apps apps is what you create in power bi when you take for instance a data set and a report and you package it as an app and then your users can access that app through uh, the marketplace so it's it's a way of distributing your your reports and your data sets and that kind of stuff what you did not have previously was a contact list. So you could have a list of people to contact if you have an issue or if you want to change something with the report. Um, so th- this is a way of, of making it easier to to have the whole flow, so to speak. And they also changed so a contributor can now update the app content. They can't create a new app but they can update the app content, which is very, very useful um, when, again, working with the, the whole workflow, so to speak. So that's that's a pretty significant um, update, I think. And then almost like like um, an aside, I saw that there have been some upgrades or updates, I should say, to the uh, SQL Server IAS so that is running sql server on a virtual machine one of the the main issues that we've had with lifting and shifting sql server is there was no, no no support for failover cluster instances fcis uh, because there were no no concept of a son type storage right that's changed Because in preview is now what's known as Azure Shared Disks for SQL FCI. So that's going to behave just like your garden variety on-prem SAN disk. But that's just part of the fun thing with FCIs or failover cluster instances in Azure. So when you're running Windows 2019, you're going to find that the clustering stuff is changed, if you will. It behaves in another way because you now have a distributed network name, which is a whole new way of of working with um, addressing and stuff. That is now supported in um, in Azure as well, because if you set up an FCI in Azure, it's going to behave very very weirdly when it comes to networking. You needed to have a an internal load balancer and stuff before you you had support for this. So the the DNN or the distributed network name support for the SQL FCI is definitely a step in the right direction. So suddenly there is very, very few SQL server stuff that we could not um, could not lift and shift.
2: Let's start with my questions on this, and then we'll go back to my questions on Power BI. So why is this feature released? Is it so that organizations that have built their SQL infrastructure on Always On can move to the cloud? Or does this feature offer anything that weren't able in Azure SQL otherwise?
0: Yes, <laughs> is the actual answer to that question. So one one is the, the lift and shift scenario. Um, yep. A lot of, of customers run uh, the FCI on-prem because... The, the the main difference between the FCI and always on availability groups is that the FCIs you can do on standard edition without no issues at all. The okay. always on availability groups, you're you're stuck on a basic availability group, which is one availability group per database and standard edition. So that's so most of the time people find that the FCIs are the way to go on prem if you're running a standard. Um as opposed to to um, to running uh, always on availability group, and when it comes to does this open up a new opportunity in Azure? Yes, it does because you could not do shared storage previously for an FCI, so you could not run your your cluster stuff in Azure like you did on prem. And if you're used to it, if your software is designed for it, well, there you go.
2: And and why would you choose? This over a managed instance or pure Azure SQL, price, price, um,
0: yeah. Because again, you can't do standard edition with either managed instance or um, Azure SQL server. So this is a way to get high availability and still running on run it on on uh, standard edition.
2: And and again, sorry if I'm, I'm slow here, but this would therefore be. A way for organizations that are running standard SQL server on-prem to move to Azure, basically lifting and shifting what they have without having to pay up for enterprise editions which are only available for, which are the only option available for managed instance and Azure SQL quite correct cool so power bi you talked about apps mm-hmm and that you could distribute an app and a data set. Couldn't that potentially be a very, very big app if the data set is very big, or do you connect to the data set? So
0: you connect to the data set. I mean, the, the, the app is just the packaging, right? Yeah. And if, if we were to say that I distribute the app to you, it only means that you can access it through your portal. Yeah. So the the whole distribution is is basically just access lists.
2: Yes. You can basically, if you open up the Power BI web portal, mm-hmm. you can see the apps which you as an admin have distributed to me, and that includes reports and basically the connection information to the dataset which will be visible through my reports.
0: Correct. Yeah. And the whole the whole thing with the app and the app workspace is that. I create an app workspace, I create a data set or I upload a data set, I upload a report and I can work on the report. Then I package the whole thing and say this report and this data set, that's gonna be the app that comes from this app workspace. Then I can keep working on the uh, underlying reports and stuff but unless I update the app, we're not gonna have any changes. So this is again, a way to do uh, development work.
2: Ah, and who are you able to distribute this app to? Does it support like business-to-business, business-to-consumer, or only within your own Azure AD tenant?
0: No, no. You can you can distribute it to pretty much anyone that has a pro license. And that does support the, the uh, business-to-business stuff. Cool. Because you need the pro license to do um, either sharing or accessing shared content.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: So that's pretty much what came my way. Um, It doesn't sound like much, but it opens up some new interesting opportunities. And then, what about the Teams displays? Seriously, Tony, you need more displays?
1: (laughs) Well, I have only the one, if you remember correctly.
0: I know, but it's pretty big.
1: Yeah, well that's true. Uh, so yeah, last week uh, Microsoft blogged in the tech community about uh, something called Teams displays, uh, a part of Teams devices, uh, you know, there previously was like phones and stuff you could use. So the, the new thing here with the displays are it's like a, something like a seven inch, I'm not sure about the exact details. A little screen that you have beside your monitor, which uh, actually shows you the Teams information. So, you know, things like missed calls or make calls, conferences, presentations, uh, who's online, you know, the usual Teams information and notifications and things like that. And you can also control Teams uh, using this screen by either talking to Cortana, you know, join meeting or something like that. Uh, but you can also, if you have like a presentation preview on the screen, you can just click send to desktop and it will actually show up on your uh, primary screen. So uh, it looks to me like a very interesting device, especially for those who use Teams a lot. Because as far as I can tell, it is only integrating with Teams as of now. I'm not sure about that either, so don't take my word for it. But it is actually specifically called a Teams display, so... Yeah, I suppose that's what it's mostly used for. But it seems like a very convenient way to uh, control Teams and get notifications uh, in that device instead of your primary screen all the time.
2: And as far as I can tell, it does actually run by on its own as well. So if you like, you can actually have it as a dedicated Teams device without having a secondary or a primary screen connected to it. Since it have speakers, a camera microphone even supports bluetooth so you could actually have that tiny screen as your dedicated teams device and if needed have the integrations you were talking about so see send things back and forth but if you so desire you can run it on its own and then better together with a pc as it calls out in the um, blog post
1: yeah. Uh, also, if you check out the, the quick trailer over there, it, it seems like you can just shut down your PC completely and it will still remain on and show you notifications and stuff. So yeah. that's another another plus, actually, with the device.
2: And we actually even have some IT admin um, integration with it, so we can update it centrally, manage it, uh, sign in with Azure Active Directory, all of that. So it, it definitely looks like a neat device and something I, of course, need to buy at some point. Uh,
0: because yeah, I think my, it, it, it my main gripe with it was
1: the price yeah, the least price was three fifty dollars, so that's on the expensive side i can a- absolutely agree with that but
2: think of it this way it's it's a small like it's a small mobile device with i'm certain a good quality microphone, good quality speaker a good quality camera, bluetooth connected um integrated with all of those enterprise features and such. And yeah, it's of course quite steep if you compare it to, yeah, you can have an iPad next to your computer and do many of the things that you are used to doing. But I find that it's not that expensive for what you get.
0: I mean, you, you can always do the argument that it, for what you get, it's not that expensive. And I, I, I agree with that. But it does not change the fact that it's $350 for one of those things.
1: Yeah. yeah, and especially uh, considering it's $350 for a Teams-exclusive device. So you can't even use it for anything else as far as I know.
2: And and that's my next question. It would be interesting to see how it integrates since it actually have a small apps and more platform there. You are able to integrate Teams with your Cisco uh, WebEx, with your Zoom meetings, all of that. That's what I've done in my personal Teams tenant. So I have integrations with Zoom and Cisco in the Teams client. So, yeah, you need to call through Teams, but it looks to me like you could use and leverage all the Teams apps on it and therefore join and start Zoom and WebEx meetings.
1: Yeah, but in that case, if you're talking about WebEx and Zoom for rec- so, uh, as examples, uh, then that would make the device a $350 webcam because I'm not expecting it to be able to, you know do all the integrations and stuff uh, as with Teams, with those other apps so using other apps it would basically be an expensive webcam
2: No, no no, Um, if if you um, I'm happy to show how it works but in, in Teams you are able to call the Zoom app inside of your Teams interface and you will have all the options that Zoom and WebEx have made available Two Teams in that app. So it, okay. it should be able to do everything you can do from a Teams perspective. You should be able to do that on this device as well, even if the call is hosted by Zoom or WebEx. So it's it's basically using the WebEx service to service video and audio, but through Teams. Because remember, Teams is basically a web page. In, in practice, All the apps are web apps. So everything you're able to do with a web client, you are, in theory, able to integrate into Teams. So I think you actually could use it for other platforms and have a fairly good experience. But we'll have to see, and we'll have to see if we can get our hands on one, Uh, because it looks like it's currently only available in the US, but... uh, If you are in the US and listening to this or in any of the other markets where it's available, you actually also in this blog post, which we will link to in our show notes, have a discount code that will be usable until the last of July this year to get a discount on a variety of products. It doesn't even say if it's on this product. It can be on any additional Teams products, but it's there. So that
0: means that it actually exists and not just as as a, a preview thing.
1: Yeah, well, at least the Lenovo device seems to be available in the Microsoft Store US.
0: Yeah, that would probably mean that it exists. Fair enough.
1: Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs>
0: All right, so if we were to switch gears a bit and look back on the first half of 2020, we've been at this for a while. Again, this is episode 127, and I know for a fact that I'm every day kind of confused. That holy cow, we are still doing this, and it is to be to be honest, it's more fun than ever, um, despite the state of the world. And of course, the 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 elephant in the room, or the most dominant thing to happen in 2020, was the fact that the world basically fell over due to the COVID 19 crisis. Can you think of anything else that happened under 2020 or during 2020 that, that we need to talk about? Or was that it?
1: <laughs> well, the COVID thing has definitely been the dominating news uh, thing pretty much every day and everywhere. Uh, so, But I mean, I can, I can agree with you otherwise, you know, having more fun with this than ever before. And uh, I feel we're just, you know, still tuning in stuff. Uh, I think we're more invested than previously also. Uh, I'm not sure if that shows to the listeners, but I hope so. And also I like the, you know, our secret plans moving ahead, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to as well. Uh, Not gonna tell anything about that right at the moment.
0: Smooth, Tony, smooth.
1: Otherwise, I also feel that, you know, as long as there is uh, tech news to talk about, which there probably will be forever. Uh, I suppose we'll be around in one way or the other.
0: So what you're basically saying is that you're you're going to have a hard time getting rid of us.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: I'll take that. I hope so.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I would say that most of the things that have been happening this first half of the year is it's somehow related to COVID. But other than that, Tony started a new job. Which yep,
1: January first or second? Yep. And we
2: got renewed as MVPs.
1: We did, indeed.
2: That on, was on big news. Fine, yeah, on the fine line of being H1, but uh, let, let's have it there. But other than that, I think that COVID has... I, I would have... I wonder how the world would have looked like, or the tech world in spe- more specifically, if COVID hadn't happened. What would have happened? What would have been released? At what pace? And what have we been missing out on because of COVID? Because priorities have been flipped for every single organization on the planet. So what are we missing out on? And how will H2 of 2020 look like? Uh, I, for one, even though I love being at home, spending more time with my family, apparently redecorating my house, I'm longing to go out traveling again. Because it's really not the same. Um, I think we we all can agree that we, even though we are able to join many more conferences virtually and so on, I, for one, feel way more isolated. And I also feel that I have a very, very hard time in actually consuming all the information that's available to me. I have a very hard time attending and be focused on many of the conferences and meetups and such that I I attend virtually. And uh, that's something I have to work on, but I'm really looking forward to being able to travel again and being there.
0: I I can't agree more. I mean, as, as you say, this whole being isolated at home, it gets old pretty quickly. Um, it, it has its uses. I can focus more. I can get more done at home than I can at, at the office, but... I I found that I need the, the combination. I need to be able to go to the office and just talk to people. And I need to to travel. Um, I, I absolutely loathe the fact that I can't meet my friends. I, I can't go on stage. I can't share what I... No, even though I am technically able to share to more people doing it online. But I, I vastly prefer doing it in, in person. So what we're doing going forward is also we're realigning lining up a number of really, really interesting interviews. Um, we, we had a sit-down a few days ago where we uh, looked at what we want to do for the, the second half of, of uh, 2020, and interviews was something that came very high on the list. So we have uh, a number of names, some more known, some less known, but everybody has a very interesting story to talk about. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be able to travel uh, later this year. Um, God only knows where. Uh, I'd be happy to to settle just going outside of the borders of, of Sweden. Uh, but being Swedes, we're pariahs everywhere, so we can't pretty much go anywhere, um, which kind of sucks, but I will not start beating that very dead horse. Ignite. What do you think about ignites?
2: I think Tony is the one who has followed uh, Patch and Switch most closely and apparently they have talked a bit about what they see happening and how the planning is going. So is there anything you could share from from that part of the world?
1: Uh, Well uh, they talked a little bit about that uh, in their last episode of the show last Friday so uh, I think Joey Snow is uh, very much in the early planning phases involved in how they will actually set it up um, to make it work as seamlessly as possible uh, using, you know, the teams, groups and things like that and conferences and live streams and even on demand and recorded streams as well. So it was, as I understood it, it was still pretty much in the early planning stages which I find actually a little bit surprising considering we are at in the middle of July now. So it doesn't leave them that much headroom to actually make the plans work. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they are uh, going full speed right now with all the planning, testing, making sure everything works. Uh, but they do have some experience already from earlier this year, you know, with the uh, Build Conference. And also Inspire is coming in like two weeks. So they they will get more experience from those as well uh, for planning Microsoft Ignite. So very much looking forward to it and what they will actually come up with in the end. And uh, of course, uh, we have some planning to do as well in regards to Microsoft Ignite or in, in regards to Ignite, yeah.
2: True. Because they haven't even released the dates yet. It's only September this year, so... September 2020 is the only thing we know. That We also know that it will be complimentary, so free. But we also know that, if I remember correctly, Inspire still is a smaller conference than Ignite, or used oh, yeah. to be. Yeah, And I, I think that the challenge will be how to make it easy to navigate a virtual conference, which will be running in all of the time zones with over 100 simultaneous sessions and where the keynotes probably will need to host 100 of uh, at least 100,000 viewers at the same time which which we from I believe last episode talked about is now available in in Teams live events but hosting one teams live event with a hundred thousand participants that must be quite astonishing from a technical point of view because it needs to terminate somewhere and sending out that video stream to 100,000 people will put a very big pressure on one or a few Azure data centers And it's perhaps not that much, but we'll see how there are so many challenges that I'm certain that they will be able to work out one way or another. But I'm really looking forward to how they will do it, more from a technology perspective than anything else.
1: Yeah, I would also like to, you know, get a like a story or report afterwards on how they actually solve the technology bit. So, you know, get like a. Uh, walkthrough on the how they actually did that.
0: I'm pretty sure that this will work as a blueprint for large-scale, proper large-scale digital online events. I think the world is pretty much looking to Microsoft to see how they propose to solve this. Hopefully, this can be a complement to the normal um, normal events. But I would be... Devastated if this was to be the way forward. Because,
1: nah. I agree.
0: And I think on that almost kind of sad note, (laughs) it's time for us to end this episode. And we are going to take a very well-deserved break and be back in the middle of August, give or take. We don't have a firm date yet, but... um, as a listener, you'll be the first to know after I tell the others, kind of. <laughs> but it's time to end the show and thank you so much for listening to Knee Deep in Tech. We could not do this without you. I mean, we can be talking into vacuum, but it's the interaction and, and talking to our listeners and our, our viewers that is the the absolute key. If you have any feedback, any questions, or would like to be part of an episode, please reach out to us on social media or via email at podcast at needypintech.com. We will be back in the middle of August, give or take. And meanwhile, have a great summer. Take care of you and your loved ones. And we'll be back. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye now.